podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 197 of the Unholy Trinity podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, Europe's largest sports podcast network, and also Fanatics, recording on a on a Monday after a, a disappointing result at Goodison Park uh, yesterday against Manchester United. It's got to be said, obviously, a lot to unpack with what happened pre-match with the with the fan protests, a lot to unpack with what happened during the game, of course. Uh, and a lot to unpack in terms of looking ahead to to this week as well, in terms of going to, to Nottingham Forest. Uh, but delighted to have on the show with me and Lee today. Been on the show quite a few times over over the years. Uh, is Jim Keoghan and and Jim going to bring you straight in because you've got a you've got a new book out for Christmas and we want to hear all about it. Yeah, uh, cheers. Um, it's called uh, Everything You Want to Know About Everton, but we're afraid to ask. And it is pretty much, as the title suggests, it's everything about the club. It's uh, greatest players, greatest games, greatest managers, worst players, top Everton that moment. It's not just the good stuff, it's the bad stuff too. It's kind of, you know, a handy guide to kind of what why Everton are Everton and kind of what it means to be an Evertonian and pretty much Pretty much any fact. I mean, I, I probably missed a few, but pretty much every fact I could find on, on Everton from the start to the, uh, the most recent seasons. I'd love to know who's on the worst list, mate. I won't, I won't <laughs> well, give any spoilers. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I bet I, there's a few on there. <laughs> yeah, it's um, worst, uh, worst 11 Premier League players and, and one sub. So it's uh, everyone's got their personal favourite 11, or not not favourite 11, but, um, you know, I, I try to I try to canvas opinion and get kind of a, a consensus, but... Um, I think that was the more enjoyable stuff, weirdly. Find out our worst stuff and our kind of worst moments. There's kind of a perverse pleasure in kind of researching them and putting them on, on paper. But um, hopefully there's everything in there you could possibly need. Every You know, light and dark, good and bad. You know, Howard Kendall, Mike Walker. All the... Um, everything covered, hopefully. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to having a read. I've got to be honest, because I know you, you went out to the, to the masses on, on Twitter slash X, as it's now known. Uh, for a little bit of some input around around certain things, and yeah. uh, it it follows in the footsteps of, of obviously the highs, lows, and Bakayoko's and the classic a classic title. We, we we all remember that one. Obviously, Everton number nine, which is a great read uh, as well. I've, I've read that one myself. So look forward to obviously having having a look at this one as well, and 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 seeing what it's what it's all about. I'm sure we can all relate to all of the book, uh, if not just some of the book, and I'm sure all of it will, will be able to relate to it because we, we've we all lived it, we, we all go through it on a on a weekly basis. Uh, but where, where, where can you where can you get it from, Jim? So at the moment, it's just available on Amazon. So uh, I mean, if you go onto my kind of Twitter link, uh, it's like, it, it, um, it'll be there uh, on Facebook, there's links there as well. So um, at the moment, it's just there, uh, both in, in kind of paperback and Kindle as well. And we, and we put a link out, um, Post podcast as well on the natural podcast uh, tweet itself and I'll throw it in the in Instagram stories and things like that. So if you want to get get Jim's book in time for Christmas, great little stock and filler. If you want it for yourself, even better. Secret Santa, perfect perfect present there. We'll put the link out 
Um, and all proceeds go towards any kind of fine that Everett might get from the Premier League going forward for, for throwing cardboard at the uh, at the officials yesterday. So, but, <laughs> well, we, we, we'll put a link out. Uh, definitely, definitely going to be worth a read, and, and it's, it's you know just in time at Christmas, so absolutely perfect as well. Um, so thanks, thanks for that, Jim. And you know we 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 brought you on obviously to, to discuss to discuss the club and a lot's been going on. You know we recorded last week after we we got uh, the the findings of the commission, so we know obviously with the with the temple deduction where we were yesterday. We saw, you know, an incredible an incredible fan reaction yesterday. It's got to be said. I've never seen anything like it. You know, and we've seen we've seen some great protests um, in in recent. Months and you know the, the last twelve months or so, we've seen great fan reaction uh, to wanting to change the club. What what I saw yesterday was something I've never ever seen before in terms of how everyone is so united and galvanised by by this unjust punishment that we that we believe we've got at this this minus ten points from the the commission. Um, what was your take on what you saw yesterday? Obviously before the game, Jim, um, televised with, with it being obviously the, the half four game on the Sunday. You, you, you look back at that and, and I know I do feel an immense sense of pride. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it, it was incredible because, I mean, if you think back to that kind of past process that have taken place at Everton, you know, going back to, you know, uh, protesting against like Peter Johnson and the, and the move to Kirby and various uh, protests against Ken Wright uh, here and there and, you know, last season against Mishiri, nothing, nothing like that, really. I mean, it's hard to think about many other clubs who've put on a protest like that, maybe because this is such a weird moment in kind of tough life football, it's rare for a club to be uh, going through something like this. So maybe fans haven't had to galvanise to this degree, but it was, it's, it's an incredible sight. I mean, you see the pictures on kind of social media, you see it on telly, and you see everything's going on. You see that degree of unity amongst the fan base and those numbers, people, and people really putting in the extra effort before and during the game to make some kind of make our point. It's, um, I mean, you know, everything about yesterday was what you would want apart from the result. I and mean, everything kind of surrounding the club and, and the fan base, it's exactly the kind of reaction that you need to kind of keep, to keep this story in the public eye, to keep it on the back pages uh, and to make sure that uh, they realise that Evertonians won't take this lying down, that there is enough fight in the club to kind of keep this going. Because as we were talking about earlier, it is just massively... Uh, unjust, and I think the fans really for Evertonians, we are absolutely united in this to say that this this can't go on. And, and it was our first our first chance, wasn't it, in terms of getting to show the world what it actually what it means for us as as fans of a football club that that have, have lost ten points, which we feel is totally unjust given what we've lost the points for, how severe the punishment was. And, and it was our first chance to, to really, really get that message across. We've seen social media, you know, in the previous sort of seven, eight days uh, before the game. We, we, we knew what was coming. Probably didn't think it was it was going to be or go as well as it did. You know, I mean, the, the, the march before the game, it was thousands. They, they, they shut County Road off well over an hour before the game even kicked off. Um, it was just it was just incredible numbers. Um, and then when you see all those pink cards getting held up before the game, you know, before the game when the players are coming out. That, you know, you look at the, at the pitches and you look at the footage that was that was televised. It was just, it was just incredible. You know, the the message being being, you know, totally one and and the United fan base that we ain't going to stand for it. We're not going, you know, we, as we said on on last week's show, 
no one's sitting here saying Everton haven't done wrong. Everton have put, held hands up and said, listen, okay, we have breached. But what we're all saying is, if you think the 10 points is, is correct for this kind of this kind of breach, then you're living in cloud cuckoo land because you, we've said it previously, you've let sides get away with absolute murder in the last three years. And then you want to use us as an, as an example in a polit- political game. And, you know, it, it, yeah, it, immense, immense pride. I mean, I was looking, I saw a little bit of footage of the, uh, I watched it back this morning, just the, the pre-match stuff leading up to kick-off. And I saw the, the little smirks on Tarkovsky's and Michalenko's face as they were lining up when all the fans were just booing, absolutely baying, baying for it. And, you know, the, the players know, you know, that we're, we're totally, totally behind them as a team. But obviously, we, we've got to fight for our club. It, it's as simple as that. And, you know, we, we, we've, we're almost being left to go to, to rack and ruin by, by the Premier League and the commission, as far as I'm concerned. It, it, they could quite easily just destroy this football club. Uh, you know, as we've said already off air, you know, the, the reasons why. And everyone knows. Everyone knows. And this is, you know, it was a, it was obviously the game didn't go our way, which is which is a terrible shame yesterday. But to see those those uh, images before the game, to, to be in there, to, to be part of it, you know, it, it was incredible. And but what what are your thoughts, Lee? I'm just just bring it at that particular point. Um, you know, you, you see you see that footage and you see what happened yesterday. It was a it was some message, wasn't it? It was it was some some spectacle for everybody out outside. I had to go to some park to to have a little look of and understand what it's all about. I think it sums us up as a football club. Do you know what I mean? I mean, Everton Football Club is is more than just a football club for me. It, you know, it, it represents a real community. And I think it all came together and it all showed it there, uh, both outside and inside the ground. You know, it, it's, it's got to be one of, for me, obviously biased anyway, but it's, it's got to be one of the best football clubs in the world. And, and, and I mean that sincerely. And what I mean by that is, is, how it brings a community together. You'd, you'd almost say football mirrors society these days and the fact that we live, you know, whether we like it or not, in an overt capitalist society. You know I mean? Everything's instantaneous. Everything's about, you know, essentially money, greed, you know, and, and Everton are almost, almost a, call, a sort of a throwback. So football's followed that. You know, you, you look at Chelsea, the way they've emerged, you look at it's happening to Newcastle now, you know, Man United ever since the Premier League was incepted. You know, how many of those clubs have, like, local fans that are there, like we are, home and away? You know what I mean? Everton are, are almost kind of like an antithesis to that, really, in the fact that, you know, yes, we've had investment and we, we've had our little bit of, you know, spraying money about a little bit and, and, and we've come, uh, you know, a cropper on that. But ultimately what sits behind all that is it's just a football club that represents the community and, and that was nothing more than emphasised than it was yesterday and, it made you proud to be a blue, really. You know, um, and like Jim said before, you know, we pretty much had everything but the result. In a way, you'd almost say there was so much emotion, you know, outside and inside the ground. You know, it almost probably detracted from that. Hold on, we've got a football match to win here. Do you know what I mean? And 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 that's hard to do. That's hard to do. And it's it's hard to do both as a you know, as players on the pitch coming on and, and like you said, Tarkovsky smirking then and that thinking, this is incredible. But then we've got to go out here and now beat a team that, oh look, ironically, that cost about a billion pounds. Do you know what I mean? Or, or also, by the way, about a billion in debt. Now, don't get me wrong; they can service that debt, so you can, you know, they can you can throw that out because of the revenue they have. But at the same time, when we're getting done for 19 million quid and getting dragged over the coals for it, and as I said to you off air, there, when you look at our net spend over the last five years, 
Everton's net spend over the last five years is minus 28 million. And then you compare that to Chelsea's minus 783 million. Arsenal's minus 645 million. Villa's minus 365 million. You know what I mean? And the word sporting advantage was thrown around. Well, I know they've said, obviously, we've gained no sporting advantage. Only have to look at those numbers to see that. That's over the last five years. You know what I mean, so you know, Everton right now, where we have been in the last two years, certainly are a product of those numbers. We've not been able to invest in the squad. You know, we're having to sign the likes of Ashley Young, who's 38, and who shouldn't be anywhere near this level. He's up against 18, 19 year old wingers who are leaving him for dead. Do you know what I mean? So, we're, we're you know, the, the fact that Dyche, and to be fair, he's, he's walked into an absolute, you know, carnage, absolute mess. He's, he's finally got the club producing results on the pitch. Is it easy on the eye? Probably not. Is it the type of football we want to see week in, week out? Maybe not. OK, we have showed bits in, pa- in parts, by the way. But ultimately, he's got a team winning football games and a team that, you know, us as fans are proud of again. And finally now a season where we can go, you know what, we can play with it and we can go and watch a game without that added stress or looking over our shoulders. And then now all of a sudden we've been plummeted into another relegation fight. Whilst at the same time, giving the likes of Luton, Sheffield United and Burnley a massive kick up the backside to go, hang on a minute, we were doomed and gloomed in. Hold on, these guys have been thrown in, we can get out of this. And to put it in context, I think I said to you, Mike, that Wolves came 12th last season. If you'd have taken 10 points off them, they'd have gone down. Do you know what I mean? So whilst everyone's turning around and saying, oh, yeah, look, this is the best time to ever get this. These are the three worst teams ever. I don't buy that argument whatsoever. 10 points, effectively, you know, is, is, is anywhere between a third and a quarter of the points that we probably, you know, you'd get to try and stay up. Do you know what I mean? So, I think, I think you know, we, we voiced it last week, but we saw the emotion, the anger, the unity, all in one place yesterday. And um, I've just got to hope, and I think, Jim, you put a great tweet out, which I agreed with, the emotional effect this has on the players is probably more than we probably let on. You know, Sean Dyche can give all the sound bites he wants. The players can say and there's a unity and all that. And I, and I agree there probably is. But if I'm sitting in that dressing room and, and we lose a couple of games, it wouldn't take much then to start feeling like we shouldn't be anywhere near this. This is, this is, this is, this is not on. You know what I mean? And, and that's how precarious it is. You know, we've got a difficult fixture list between now and Christmas. Um, and, you know, we could quite conceivably be still, still in the bottom three. Um, you know, so it, it's 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 precarious to say the least, and and, and I I've made it vocal uh, to you guys and also on Twitter as well, saying you know forget five points, forget four points. I, I want all ten back, and I think the way it's being conducted, forget the mitigating circumstances, which in my opinion some of them wrongly thrown out. The way it's being conducted is 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 a farce. Do you know what I mean? In terms of you know not even having a, a, a natural specific procedure in place in terms of number of points. Uh, um, you know, for breaking some of the rules, making that up as they went along. Uh, the, you know, the independent commission, in inverted commas, you know, we've later found out that involvement with other clubs. You know, there's plenty there that our lawyers can go after there and try and get the 10 points back. And I, I want those 10 points back. I want them back. And I'm sure the players and everyone else does as well because it's a disgrace. I said to you before, Mike, you know, those players have worked their asses off for some of those results this season. You know, really left everything out on the pitch, and then to have that stripped away, 
yeah, it's nothing short of disgraceful for me. No, I, t- I totally agree. And and you know what 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 has been what has been good in terms of what we've seen in the last the last week or so from external sources. We we spoke last week, me, you, and Frank about trying to make sure that we control this narrative because we know exactly what happens when it comes to the media. They feel sorry for you first, and then they start shifting. You know, shift them that's what sort of stance. You know, it went to last week or everything should just accept it and move on. You, you've, you've, you know, you've, you've committed the crime, deal with the punishment kind of thing. And you, you've heard a bit of that. But what we've seen in, in the, last, the, the two previous days leading up to, to the actual game against United, what I thought, by the way, was absolutely spectacular. You see the likes of Gary Neville calling them lawless, the, the Premier League, you know, lack of integrity. You, you saw, was it Martin Samuels in the, in the Times? He just literally said, you know, it, it's, it's literally, it's literally, Bent. The Premier League is totally bent, and so to have those kind of words used, by the way, in mainstream, and I'm, I'm not talking, you know, the Daily Star and, and nonsense like that. A massive, massively respected journalist and newspaper is a massive thing, and the, the Premier League are not going to be happy to have their brand portrayed in this particular way. You know, the, the Premier League, as we know, are all for the brand. The brand is the money. The money is the six or seven teams, as we discussed many, many times. So to have their brand portrayed like this, to have, you know, 38,000 episodes at Goodison Park holding up cards that says corrupt with their logo on, to have fans singing about it being corrupt, to have protests, to have multiple, multiple flags and banners in the ground, to have a plane fly over the, the flagship fixture of the weekend that Sky refused to show because he said it wasn't relevant apparently this morning. These kind of things, it went around the world. Do you think Richard Masters is sitting there now, happy with this outcome? He thought we just we were just going to go away. He thought this is going to be a hard line approach. It shows we mean business. We're going to try and fend off this independent regulator, and all it's done is had the exact opposite effect of what he wanted. Now, what everyone is seeing is that the Premier League needs major upheaval, and it needs to be regulated because they're an absolute law unto themselves. And we're not going to stop. This is. This is week one. This is this is the first the first time we had a chance to actually vocalise and show what it means to us and how much we feel totally, totally betrayed by an organisation that really should be there to protect you. You know, we, we they shouldn't be allowing clubs to to be on the brink in the first place. They shouldn't be potentially putting clubs in a position which which will see them go out of business. That's exactly what they're doing. Make no mistake about that. So you know that was our chance yesterday. It was done particularly well. It sends, as I say, it sends a very, very clear message. And and I think the Premier League, in my opinion, now now they've seen that. Now they've got respected journalists, pundits who, who are literally saying, you know, it's it's a disgrace what's going on. They're alluring to themselves. All those all these kind of sound bites are not going to go down well at, at, at Premier League HQ. Which, by the way, we were outside there on Friday as well. So we ain't going to stop. And this is the thing. And like you say, Lee, you know, with the best will in the world, we all want 10 points back. You know, you saw, was it, was it Spurs that time when they lost, did they lose 12 points and were out of the FA Cup and they, they got, a, got a fine going back in the early 90s. And then all of a sudden they got reinstated, that the fine was was made bigger and he got all the points back. So this is, we, we'd love to be in that situation where they say, listen, here's your 10 points back. Do we see it? No. But do we think we'll get something back? Yes, I do. Because this this is taking this organisation, this is absolutely killing them, and that's why it's important that as as Evertonians, 
we keep on going every chance we get. It doesn't even matter if they give us five points back or six points back. It matters in terms of from a mental perspective, of course. We'll all feel a little bit better. But they've taken 10 points off us that we've that we've earned, that the players have earned, the manager have earned, and, and they, they totally deserve this season to, to be sitting in the round mid-table. Um, we should be fighting all the way. So if they give us six points back, five points back, just keep on going. Keep on going. You know, let, let, let's drag the names through the mud. Let's get the regula- regulator in. And let's then try and move move football forward because, as as we've seen in in recent times, since they brought in this 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 structure of profits and sustainability or FFP, however you want to term it, it protects certain teams. You mentioned figures earlier about net spend over the last five years. There's a prime example. How can one club in the same league only spend twenty eight million pound and another one have a, have a net spend of seven eight hundred million pound in the same league? And you are meant to compete and it's meant to be a, a fair and level playing field. That's what we're fighting for. That we want football back to being as fair as it can. Whether we can get there, probably not. But we'll keep going. And listen, we'll we'll keep fighting for those points because Everton deserves to have those points on the table. It's an absolute farce. But I think the it doesn't even stop there though. When you look at the wages, and when you've seen it on Twitter this week, you look at the wages in the Premier League. Everton's wage bill is around about seventy-five million a year, and that's like Man United is nearly three times that. Just under three times. And City's not far off that. Liverpool's is roughly double. Yeah, you know I mean, you're thinking like, yeah, how how can you even compete with that? It's it's no coincidence when you look at the wage, the top six teams that pay the highest wages are also the current roughly the current top six right now. It doesn't take a genius to work out. I mean, I looked at Villa yesterday, who I, you know, I think Emre, by the way, has done a fantastic job, and we'll all agree to that. Villa are playing some good stuff. They got a bit lucky yesterday. Tottenham should have been out of sight, but they managed to find a way to win. But then I looked at half-time, he changed it and brought Matty Cash off and Moussa Diaby, right? Moussa Diaby, they, they paid 60-odd million for in the summer, top player. And they brought on Bailey, Leon Bailey, another top player, 25, 30 million. And they brought on Tielemans. You know what I mean? What, arguably a 50, 60 million pound midfielder. You know I mean? And I just said before, Villa are minus 330 million for the last five years net spend. That just tells you, you know, we're competing with that. We're competing as good a job as Emery's done. That's still a bloody good squad. To be honest, arguably a better squad than United put out yesterday. I, to- I totally agree. I totally agree. And it's, this is this is the thing. And don't get me wrong, but we, we, I don't want to go over old ground, but Everton have made massive mistakes in the transfer market. We all know that. But like, you know, we're quoting figures here from the last five years. And, and pundits want to go back over when Mishiri first came in and we wasted loads of money. Well, that, that, that's irrelevant, really, to, to what we're actually getting getting charged for and what we've been found guilty of. And it's just, yeah, it, it, it's so tough to... There's so many facets to it, but it's good to have support of the likes of Neville and Andy Byrne and fantastic letter that he's written to the Premier League, by the way. Um, and obviously, Martin Samuels and people like that. You do need, as much as we don't want pats on the back to say, oh, well done, you know, great show of strength and unity there. You do need allies in certain places because the more people we get behind this from outside of the fan base and outside of the football club, the better because that then brings about change and that then puts the pressure on and that then impacts the brand. And so that's what we need to try and do. And, you know, fantastic to see yesterday. But the, the game was almost, Jim, a centrepiece on the, way to, on the way to the game. I was concerned that it will become a little bit of a sideshow almost to what's going on around it. Um, it almost did in a way, but but that that early goal, you know, if we would have, we would have scored ourselves in the first ten minutes before that, you know, the the next part of the process, it would have been electric. But 
they've gone and scored a goal, probably one of the best goals I've ever seen at City Goodison Park, to be fair, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. Um, but they've scored, haven't they? And they've absolutely zapped the, the life out of the stadium at, at that particular point. Yeah, well, that was the, I, mean, I was talking to uh, Blues that I know. That was the fear that he, we knew kind of before the game what the atmosphere would be like and what the crowd would be like. But um, the fear was if Man U scored early on, what would happen then? Because, you know, as we've, as we've referenced, those players have gone through quite kind of a... They've, they've had like a, an emotional gut punch before that game. So, you know, we'll, we'll never know what that game could have been like without the 10 points, really, because... That, that kind of clouds everything. So those players, as soon as my new scored that goal, part in part of their mind they're thinking, "Oh, we're in the bottom two, and, and now we're one nil down." And it's and suddenly the relegation fight becomes more real. So and the form we had prior to that game sort of doesn't matter. Everything sort of changed. So it was kind of the worst the worst possible start you could have had for, for kind of that situation was United. Getting, uh, you know, regardless of how they scored, I mean, it was an incredible finish, and probably you could hit that shot another ten, hundred times, and it would just, it would balloon over. Look, the one time he connects really well is in in that moment, and I think, uh, I think that kind of, although Everton was well, he should have probably gone in a half time level. You've got that ongoing problem of the inability to kind of take our chances at home. I still think that has to be at the back of their minds now, not just in, in that game, in, in the games to come, that they've gone from being a, a team who were thinking they were you know, potentially mid-table and a healthy distance between them and the bottom three. For the first time in two years, the three, I think it's the first time since the Watford game, the 5-2, that we've been that far from the bottom three. So, you know, and Dyche has worked really hard on the mentality of the club to try and move them away from feeling like a relegation team. I feel like it finally turned a corner and done that. And suddenly this team has thrown right back into that kind of relegation conversation in an unfair way as well. And that's that that that's there. So, yeah, kind of as a fan, as soon as you saw that, that Man U goal go in, past me thought, there's, yeah, there's no way we're going to win this game now because... There's just too much. I mean, Dice calls it the, the noise, doesn't he? There's just too much noise going on, and I feel like we've been thrown backwards to the, the previous two years. And I think that's going to be, you know, it, it worries me going forward in the games to come. The, the, the emotional state of the players, because as we've referenced, they're, they're only human, aren't they? And it's, you know, the more the more get the more things go against us, the more games we lose, and we can't get out of that kind of relegation melee. It, what what happens then? So it's um. Yeah, it was an incredible finish and an amazing goal, and it it could not have come at a worse time for Everton, really. Well, the footballing gods certainly weren't shining on us. Put it that way, you know. It, I mean, you couldn't have put it better. Do you? I mean, it's one of those where, I mean, it's goal of the season, isn't it? I, I'm not going to see any goal beat that this season. I'd be very surprised. It's goal of the season in the first two minutes. I mean, you couldn't have scripted it. Um, I mean. When he hit it, it was almost like slow motion. I thought Pickford was going to get to it, to be fair. But then, obviously, it was one of those that just... A bit like Rooney's, wasn't it? It's very similar to Rooney's against City. It sort of, like, you know, looped into the top corner. And like you just said there, you could put in 20, 30 crosses there. He'd probably score one at best. You know what I mean? Um, And it's just so unfortunate that that happened at that moment in the game. Um, 
Yes, I think you're right in what you're saying. In terms of it doesn't matter what type of goal, it could have been a tap-in. But also, I think just scoring that type of goal, people sitting down going, you're joking. How's, that, how's he scored? How, how has that gone in? How, how's he just... And let's be fair, Garnacho has showed nothing to me since he's been at United that he's capable of that. And even after he scored that, he didn't do anything in the game anyway. So, I mean, I mean, you're just thinking, just when we're down, that's the last thing you need. But you know what? I'll give massive credit to the players because they were clearly shell-shocked. You could see by the reactions when it went in. And like you said there, Jim, you know, it's that emotional state where you're kind of going, oh, my God, you're kidding me. And we're now in a relegation scrap. You know, this is just, he's just scored the best goal I've ever seen. And then, and to be fair, they regrouped. They regrouped mentally. And that's testament to Dyson. and I agree with you there. He's worked really hard on trying to stop these players from being fragile when things go against them. And the irony is, a few of my mates who are United fans uh, were messaging me saying, look, you score a goal, we'll crumble it because we're weak. We're weak mentally and we've shown that several times this season. Especially in Europe, United have crumbled in so many games in Europe this season against Minnows. Um, and we just couldn't get that goal. We just could not get... The players did really well. United clearly, clear as day... Um, refuse to sort of like uh, let us play on the counter-attack. They're almost letting Everton have the ball because they know, you know, ultimately this team, whether we like it or not, is set up for counter-attack. We're not great in possession trying to break down defence, uh, defend, uh, defences. And, you know, you can see with Onana taking his time on the ball, then playing out from the back, which was embarrassing at times for them, by the way, because they clearly can't play out from the back. And we were catching them. We had a 20, 25-minute spell where we should have really scored at least two or three, never mind an equaliser. You know, look at some of the chances that we had there. Decore's chance where he's let it slide across his body, he's got to do better there. Dom's had a couple of free headers. You know, unlucky with one keeper straight at the keeper. The other one, is, for me, that's food and drink for Dom from Ashley Young's cross. Um, and then, you know, we had that other chance, Dom with the outside of his foot, and then the rebounds kicked off the line. You know, Adrissa Gay, the worst person you wanted to fall to, albeit he scored a brilliant goal last, you know, two weeks ago. Panics in the box and skies it over the bar. You know, any sort of composure there, and you know, he, he probably at least gets it on target. And then you just knew if we didn't score, then you know, when we were on top, it was going to come back and bite us. And you know, you, you just knew then as soon as that penalty is given or overturned in the second half. I mean, you know, again, another relatively contentious decision. I've seen a lot of Blues come out and say it's definitely a pen. You know, I'm sort of on, I'm sort of in the middle for me, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be biased by any means. I just know, and the referee knows, by the way, that Anthony Marshall is an expert at being able to uh, uh, drag his leg and throw himself to the ground. And I, don't get me wrong, Ashley Young has dangled his has dangled his foot there, but he's timed that to perfection. I genuinely think I'd go as far as to say. That as soon as Fernandez is making that and he's making his run, he's thinking, I'm taking a touch going down. Because if he takes that touch with his right foot, you can see that Tarkovsky's on the cover. Tarkovsky would have just sweeped up behind him. I genuinely think he's thinking, I'm taking a touch from my right foot and I'm dragging my, dragging my left and I'm going to go down. And he's timed it to perfection. And the fact the ref's obviously given it for simulation initially. And you know what? With this whole clear and obvious stuff with VAR, if the referee had given it, and it went to VAR, I could kind of understand it. But the fact that he didn't give it, it has to be a real glaring error. And I still don't think it is. I still think there's an argument to say that he's, you know, almost initiated that, or made sure he's made that contact. And 
again, it's just, you know, we can talk about VAR for, for the umpteenth time this season. It's a farce. Um, but that killed the game, didn't it, as a contest after that. You know, the fans knew it. I think the players knew it, thinking it's 2-0. We should be at least level, on, if not better in. And it's 50, 50 minutes gone and we're 2-0 down. And then after that, to score three with a massive ask on it. Yeah, but I think going back to, obviously, at our time, it should have been ahead for me. It should have been at least 2-1. We've missed some big, big chances there. And like you said, it's credit to the players because after the first 10 or 15, you've gone one behind. You've had, you've had the emotion of of what what they saw pre-match and, you know, did it impact them in, in a way? I think they're probably more impacted by the fact that they've lost 10 points, to be honest. But, you know, they, they responded. Sean, Sean Dice has made them a resilient side and it was like a flashback to... You know that the Wolves game, the Fulham game, started the season where we, we created so many chances in the first half, and we just couldn't put the ball back in the net. And like you say, it came back to haunt us, didn't it? Because you, you see what happens with the penalty, and the referee was, was was pathetic all game. Like he was trying to prove a point for me the way that he, he refereed that game. You know, there was one late on in the first half, and there was more before, but the one that sticks out was when I think Harrison tries tries to switch the play, gets caught. The ball goes out of play because he's played advantage because the ball's in flight. He's played advantage and you're thinking, okay, well, it's gone out. Go back for the free kick. No, no, I played play the advantage. Just little things like that. And then he's booking the core because the core, he said, well, hang on. He's just fouled him late and he's booted the ball away. So if you're, gonna, if you're booking, like Ashley Young, we'll come on to him in a minute, by the way. If you're booking Ashley Young in the first half, and why aren't you booking him for that? There's, there's two offences in one, and then he books to Corey, and it's it's things like that which which totally got on my nerves. And the penalty for me was the penalty. I think it's absolutely pathetic. I think you can see who initiates the contact. It, it Ashley Young was still, he was stood still. You can see exactly what Martial's doing. Slow it down as, as much as you want. It looks a million times worse when you slow anything down, and that's what absolutely drives you nuts. The fact that. We can all do that. And, you know, sometimes when you look at tackles and players are looking at red cards and, you know, in, in slow motion and it looks a million times worse. He's done it. He's gone down on purpose. It's quite clear. So I'm not, I'm not even saying booking for diving, but it's not a penalty. It's just not a penalty. It's so, so soft. And I, I mean, you were saying that, that that guy never was screaming, oh, definitely a penalty, definitely a penalty. It's, it's also nonsense. Don't get me started on this, you know, because it just isn't, you know, we, we don't get that. I say now we don't get it. We got to play a book for diving, and that that's the end of it. Um, so it, it was really. I think with referees, mate. Sorry to interject, but I think with referees, your gut reaction is normally the right one, isn't it? Hmm? Yeah, you will. You will get things wrong. Of course, you will. When you see it in front of you, without it being slowing down, it's being slowed down to the nth degree. When you see the passage of play in front of you, and you see the way he falls to the ground, you, normally your gut reaction is the right one. You know, at the end of the day, if you're looking at it on slow mo, then you are looking: is there contact? You know what I mean? Of course, there's contact because he's ensured there's contact. And look, Martial, you know, he's done it a million times. He's very good at it. He, you know, he's made that look as almost natural as it can be. And you know, don't get me wrong, it has divided opinion. Some Blues have come out, and, and I can almost see that argument as well. But knowing Martial as a player, I genuinely think he's got it in his head. I'm taking a touch and dragging my leg. You know what I mean? And, and, and I genuinely think he's done that 100. And and he's and he's won a pen and killed the game. Yeah, totally agree. And it was at that point, obviously, you. The crowd is still up. We're one nil down. You think we're in the game. He's getting booked for diving. Everton free kick, and it, again, it's it's two momentum killing goals that we that we suffered yesterday. One was was unbelievable, but at a time when you know you could really do without it. 
and the second one, the penalty, it was it absolutely killed momentum again. And Everton obviously tried to react and probably probably had a little bit more success at 3-0, to be honest with you, with Martial obviously getting a customary goal than he ever scores against Everton, it seems, especially this, you know, later on in his career. Um but yeah, it was just it was just a day that unfortunately it, it was almost too much and the emotion was too much and and it just unfortunately didn't didn't make its way onto the pitch in a positive way, which I don't blame the player, I don't blame the players in any way, shape or form. You know, I, I don't I don't I don't think that really, you know, we, we can't expect, as you said already, Jim, that you know, we can't expect players not to be impacted by what they've what they've gone through with these points deduction. It's just Something which they they never saw coming, the club hasn't seen coming, and and they've been penalised, and we've been penalised through absolutely no fault of, of of our own, and um yeah, so it was just it was a game that you know we we'll look to move to move on from, of course, and and hopefully the players don't let it sit sit in the mind for for too long because we've got it, we've got to move, we've got to move on now as if we've got minus ten points, as much as we might get some some points back, the, the players in the mind you can't afford to sit there now and. And feel sorry for themselves because we've got games to win and we've got a fight on our hands. And you know, if we get half our points back, it might take us out of the bottom three. But you're still short of sort of four or five points that you that you should have had. So you've got to you've got to now sort of look to move on. You've, that was always going to be, I think, a difficult game because it was the first time that we had a chance to to, to show our dissent. So I think that was always going to play play a part in in the emotions of the players and impacting the players in some way, shape, or form. But um, yeah, obviously disappointing game. But one of the things that, that I really want to touch on before we have a little look ahead to Forest is is this this right back position. Obviously, a couple of issues yesterday, and we discussed that after the short break. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Chelsea podcast. Like I was saying before the break, still on on the United game, but probably but bigger than that is, is the fact that. Um, and we're doing this on the show in terms of calling players out, but I think it's a really important thing when it comes to if players aren't playing well and it's to the detriment of the team. And we've got we've got two able right backs, by the way, sitting on the more than able, better than what's currently on show on the pitch, waiting to come in. You've got Seamus Coleman back from injury on the bench for the first time this season, which was fantastic to see. And Nathan Patterson, who came on with about 20 minutes to go to go yesterday. Actually, Young's had a really difficult start to life at Everton. You know, we, we see them get sent off in the Merseyside derby for two bookings. He's got he's had about I think he's had six yellow cards now, is it? Which is a lot for this this uh, this stage of the season. Um he's looked every bit his age is probably the, the the really sad thing about it. And and it's a player who really, you know, when you bring that kind of player in, he's the one on the bench. If if you need some fresh legs on sort of 15, 20 minutes, you can get him on because he can play. You know, he can play further forward. He did it in the in the League Cup, didn't he? When he got his goal against Burnley, he got pushed on. And Patterson come on at right back, so we know we can do that. Um, but looking ahead, Jim, now obviously the game is gone. He got booked again. Give away the penalty as well. Are you looking now with Seamus Coleman back and obviously Patterson getting a bit of game time yesterday? Are you looking to change things up in that particular position? Well, you'd hope so, because you, you feel like it's a bit, bit like the uh, Michael Keane situation at the start of the season, when Dice obviously seems to see something in Young that we don't see, you know, and he's he's meant to be the football expert, but like he's becoming more damaging to the club than uh, Richard Masters at, at, at the moment. He's costing us so many points. So, you know, as you said, he looks his age. He's been skinned regularly. You know, that's why he's, he's getting so many cards, because he's just hacking people down, because he can't cope 
with the pace of the game. He's making stupid mistakes. Um, it feels very much like when you had Branthwaite waiting in the wings and yet Dyche will continually play uh, Keane because he seemed to trust experience over youth or... I don't know, maybe he sees something in training that we don't see that these players can do, but you, you look at the, kind of the recent performances by Young, and it, it feels to me very similar to when Keane was playing at the start of the season, where there's a costly mistake. that It doesn't matter if he's all right for 80 minutes or even 85 minutes. There's going to be a period where he fucks up and he costs us daily. And, uh, you know... We definitely can't afford that now. Maybe if we're mid-table and you're thinking, well, he offers, he offers something somewhere else. Right now, every single point matters because, once again, we're in a relegation fight. So if you've got this player who, like Keane, has got a mistake in him and the game's passed him by at times, he just doesn't seem to read it properly. Um, you wonder, what, you know, at what point does I say, oh, this clearly isn't working? He obviously doesn't trust Patterson completely. For whatever reason, I know he's, he's young and he, you know, when he's played, he hasn't always been perfect. But he's he offers something going forward, and he's got to learn the game. You know, he, he was he, he was quite re- wary of putting James Garner in the team as well because he's, he's a young player, and yet now, you know, Garner's proved himself, hasn't he? And it's, he's one of the, the first names that you want on that team sheet. So, um, you've got Coleman coming back, but again, Coleman's been out for a long time, and he's and he's and he's he's even older than he was. So is he going to be an improvement on Young, or would he bring a similar set of problems? I don't know. So it's, um, I think it's it, it's a frustrating name to hear on the on, on the team sheet before the game because you you kind of as fans you're thinking you sort of know what you're getting. There's going to be a booking early on. Then you can be worried is he going to get sent off? He's going to get, make you panic when there's a young talent to bring it up against him. And you know. Like, I agree, I thought it was a soft pen, but like if you're dangling your leg out in the box, you're going to give players like Martial the chance to get a pen off you. You imagine a player of his maturity, you'd know that. But, you know, it suggests somebody who's maybe not up to the pace of the top flight anymore. So, yeah, I, you know, ideally, you're right. When you're buying players like that, they should be a squad player. They have to maybe come off the bench for a bit, play in the League Cup, and maybe in emergency... They come in at right back, but uh, I don't think it's worked. The move doesn't seem to have worked for, for anyone for him. His form's dipped since he, he came from Villa. He's being costly for us. So, yeah, you'd, I'd, you'd, you'd want to see a change uh, against Forest. What that change is, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, I personally, I give Patterson a go because he's, he's young, he's full of energy. He can offer something going forward. Um, and the defence is now generally more secure than it was at the start of the season. You've got a good centre-half pairing. Midfield's working well together, so maybe he can get covered better. Um, but I, I definitely don't want to see Young as, as a starting right back again. I think that's I think that's a good good summary, mate. I think one of the hardest positions you can play in the Premier League is full-back. Because you've got to get up and down that pitch, support you know support the attack, obviously get back and defend. Um... We've obviously bought Young in for his, you know, he's obviously a good pro, looks after himself. By all accounts, Dice said he's one of the leaders in the dressing room. I can imagine him being quite vocal. But if you're 38 years old playing at fullback against, in his case yesterday, fast teenage wingers, his, his booking for me sums him up. 
this season. That booking, Ganacho's taken a bad touch and he's flown in and he's miles away from it. Miles away from it. Miles away. You know, Gary Neville famously came out, didn't he? And said he played three games and then said he wanted to retire straight away to Fergie. I think Fulham was one. Goodison was another against Baines and Pienaar. And there was another one. I can't remember which one. And he said he should have been sent off, arguably, in all those three games for mistiming tackles. And he said he should have gave, gave away... I think he gave away a pen. He should have given away two or three other pens, he said, as well. And then straight away, he realised, I can't cope with these fast wingers anymore. I'm out. And he checked out. And this is what we're seeing now with Ashley Young. You know, the lad, like you said, he's sent off in the derby. The amount of times he's picked up these yellows for, for mistimed tackles is unbelievable. And I do agree with you, Jim. I think Dice has to be really convinced to be able to replace youth with experience. Um, sorry, experience with youth. And, and you know, he's done it with Branthwaite, who's finally also showed him he can play at this level. Same with Garner. He's got to do the same at right-back now. He's got to. And the other thing as well, by the way, I felt for I felt for Harrison, who's been arguably one of our best players since he's come in the team. Both and his numbers show that as well. He was doubled up on several times yesterday. You know, Shaw there and obviously Garnacho coming back and covering. And we all know obviously he likes to cut in on his left foot. But you know, you watch other teams, you know, if you look at someone like Saka for Arsenal on the right hand side, Ben White is gone every single time Saka gets that ball. So instantly that's drawing one of the double up guys to the to the fullback who's making that run. Now, sometimes Saka will feed him. Other times, he will come inside on his left foot. And he'll either recycle it to Odegaard or he'll have a shot or put a cross in. And at times, yesterday, I felt for Harrison because he was coming inside, but there was traffic because there was people doubling up on him. There was no fullback going beyond him to give him an alternative option or take away the fullback who's marking him. And he saw it when Patterson came on. When he was getting beyond him, all of a sudden, that freed up a bit of space for Harrison to be able to do what he can do. So we need that. And, and, and by the way, particularly at home as well, particularly at home, we need fullbacks like Patterson who are willing to get, get beyond their winger and put, you know, put crosses in the box or get to the byline or win, win corners, free kicks, whatever. And, and that's why it's costing us. You know, as, good a, as good a job as Dyche has done since he's come in, our home form needs, needs fixing. You know, we've got four points this season at home from, from seven home games. You know what I mean? Is it seven? Is it seven home? I think it's seven home games, isn't it? It's there or thereabout. So four points from a possible 21, say. That's not good enough. You know, our away form has, has, has been the reason why we are where we are, where we were. Um, but he needs to find a way to improve that home form if we're going to stay in the Premier League. He needs to find a way. And part of that, for me, has to be having full-backs that are willing to attack and get beyond get beyond their wingers. You know what, that, that's... That the foot the fullback point is, is a really, really brilliant point. And I'll tell you for why it is, because I had the fella sitting next to me. This he's a lovely fella. I think he was a little bit uh, led yesterday before the game. He had a had a long a long day drinking before he even came in, to be honest with you. Um but he kept on he kept on roaring about Harrison and Harrison's not doing this and he you know he's terrible and all that. That's a real valid point. So often he had two players every single time just marking them and because there was no one overlapping him, taking that other player away. And it's so important because you can't expect players to, to, to beat two men every single time and, and look to try and make something happen. It's not, it's not going to happen. We've seen it a bit more now with, obviously, Mikhalenko was, I mean, he nearly got a goal, didn't he, again yesterday? So unlucky. Another great strike. Lovely bit of football between him and Dan Juma, to be honest. But you see Mikhalenko now just get forward a little bit more. You know, he scored a couple of goals in his last three games. As I say, nearly scored again against United. You, you don't see Ashley Young doing that. 
And we, how many times has Mikalenko being called out for not being an attacking fullback and doing that side of the game? It's something that he's really, he really works on, and and I think is 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 improving it. And we're not seeing it with Ashley Young, and I know obviously Coleman. Coleman's thirty five now, and like again, really really good point, Jim. How does he come back from this injury at thirty five? What level is he going to hit? And now we've seen him come back from, you know, a major injury in the past, but he was much younger when he went through that that leg break for Ireland. Um, he's had a few niggles, obviously, in recent years. Seamus Coleman is a fantastic professional. You know, we know exactly what you, what you get with him, but we know in the last sort of two or three years he, he slowed down. He's not he's not a buccaneer and right back that he used to be. But even I think back to Leeds last season when he when he got forward and got that goal, and you know, you don't see that from Ashley Young. And that's why I think that Patterson, I think it was it was, I think it, it told its own story yesterday when Patterson came on and not Seamus Coleman, because Coleman's played a lot of football for the 21s in the last sort of three or four weeks. So he got a lot of game time, which which built up to the, to the game in midweek against Bilbao when he played the full 90. So he's played a lot of, probably played more football than Patterson, to be fair. So I, I was almost thinking, well, I can see him bringing on Seamus Coleman more than more than Patterson, but he didn't. And I think that tells its own story. Like going forward, if he makes that change, which he's got to, let's get it right, he's got to make the change. Now, you say it's like the Michael Keane hill all over again that he's willing to die on. Patterson's going to get the nod, and rightly so, and right, and so he should. You know, we've been saying it for weeks. He he played well against West Ham when Ashley Young was was suspended, and then by the first 15, 20 minutes, and then we didn't see him. the the week after Young came straight back in, which I can never ever work out. Um, so I think looking ahead to Forest, I think that that's that's one change that I would like like to see is that also. Amadou Nana was a huge miss, wasn't he, in the midfield yesterday? You know, he, he's become such a pivotal player, I think, to, to this side. He's become a lot more consistent. Um, and he's a player that, that for me, is is one of the first names on the team. She's not having that physicality against United. You know, he allowed that, the young kid who came in for them, who had a, had a good game. He ran the midfield. And I think if Onana's in there, that just doesn't happen. You know, he's too big, he's too strong. He can carry the ball at pace. Um, and I think that that showed up, but but for Forest Jim, obviously, what what they did last season, when obviously they they were weren't playing particularly well, they were struggling, and all of a sudden they changed a few things. Obviously, they brought about nine hundred players didn't they, that they brought in in the in the temporary window when they first came up. You know, where the turnover of players was like then, but they changed something, and the setup was different. And they then I think post Christmas, the home record was one of the best in the Premier League, and, and we've we've kind of seen it again this season. I know we got beat by by Brighton in the, at the weekend, which is you know no shame in that. Brighton had quite a few injuries, and I was done, got sent off. But they're, they're a difficult side, aren't they? At home to 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 go and get anything off. Um, so it's it's going to be it's going to be a bit of a a bit of a task next next weekend. But hopefully we've got we've got Onana back for that game as well. Yeah, I think mean, it'll be an interesting game because you know it's it's the it's kind of fit, the first away game since since all this happened. So you haven't got that kind of the pressure maybe of what yesterday was, and and as Dave says, the noise around it. So we're we're on the road, so you can say that's kind of you know that crowd pressure maybe isn't there. We're also we're we're not a bad away team. We see we're set up for you know. Uh, to play on the counter, and that seems to work better away than it does uh, at Goodison. So you're right; it's not not an easy game. Forest, uh, you know, the the they're a decent team, especially at home. Uh, but I mean, I, I think they're beatable. 
I'm not, you know, it's that's the weird thing. If if this if the, if the ten points hadn't happened and you'd be going into this game, even if we just lost at United against United, you'd be. I think you'd be, you'd be feeling quite confident about the weekend. You would think the way we play and where we were in the league and how things were kind of mentally around the team, you'd see Forest away as a potential three points, especially after kind of what happened against um, against Palace. Uh, you, you think of it as kind of a, a similar challenge, similar kind of level team, but Everton are kind of capable of of, of taking a game to them and and getting three points. So it's um, it's just that, that it, the ten points change things now, don't they? Because we're not we're not where we were, t- you know, ten days ago. So it's it, it changes. All, all it takes for us to get a nearly goal, and once again, do the players start thinking, oh Jesus, you know, we ever going to get out of this bottom three, and are we? What's, you know, I'll be going to be you know rock bottom by Christmas. So it's um, kind of in football terms. Ten, ten days ago, I, I I would have backed Everton, even though I'm generally pessimistic when it comes to Blues. I would have thought actually, yeah, you know, despite Forest's uh, form and despite what they like at home, we're probably the team you'd back. But it's um, it makes it a very a really kind of challenging fixture. It's and it's one I think we kind of have to win. Don't me really. When you when you think of the games that are coming up over Christmas, it's a really tough run for Everton. So we need we need points quickly. We need to kind of mentally get out, mentally and literally get out the, the bottom three as soon as possible. So it becomes it's become a must win game. Um, but I think you know if you don't take into account what's happening, player for player, I think we're still the better team. I think we should you know we should expect to go to places like Forest and win. Um, but you know, at the moment you just don't you don't know what effect this is going to have on the team. So it's a, it's it's a game we need to win. It's a game that, in all these circumstances, I think we could win, but it's that's going to be really tough for us. I think. And they've only lost one home game this season for us. But I caveat that with the I think they've only won two home games. So a great win against Villa a few weeks ago, of course, and then they won the first game. Um, Against Sheffield United as well, but they've had quite a few draws in there. Yeah. So I mean, Luton went there and got a draw, didn't they? They drew with Brentford as well. Um, so it's not, it's not, you know, yeah, okay, it, it's a difficult place to go. We went there last season. Should have really won the game. I, that, that was that was the one away game I got to, got to, and and I couldn't believe a two-one up. This is going back to Sean Dice's famous lack of substitutions. That um, the core stayed on the pitch. He was there's about three or three or four players absolutely knackered in that game. And the Corey made a mistake, give the ball away for the for their equaliser. But it was a game whenever Everton had, had some really good chances again. And it's you know, it's like hostile. It was it was lively at times, but it's not I don't think it's the worst place to go in terms of the fans are good, but it's not, you know, we're not going there getting bloody pig's heads around you in the corner, eye and things like that. So it's not, not the worst place in the world. But I think it's a, it is a difficult place to go. It's become a diff, a more difficult place to go and maybe more difficult than than we thought it, it maybe when they when they first came up, but he's done he's done a, def, a decent job there, obviously. Uh, Cooper, but what are your thoughts, Lee? You know, Jim saying there it's certainly a winnable game. Maybe it's a it's a must win game given what's to come after that. Obviously, Newcastle. Uh, I can't stand them either, but they're, they're coming to Goodison Park on the eighth of December. Um, we've got obviously City in the round Christmas. We've got the the League Cup coming up. We've got Chelsea. There's a lot going on in December. What are your thoughts on the game? Yeah, it's 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 one of those in it where, like Jim was saying before, if we were in the situation which we've been dropped into, you wouldn't be as worried. Um, 
I was looking at their fixtures and their form there. You're right, Mike. They've only won one out of the last nine games. Um, and there have been a few draws in there. Obviously, Brighton, who we know can beat anyone on their day, have gone there and won at the weekend. And they had Lewis Dunk sent off after 70 minutes as well. Um, Burnley went there in the cup, away from home. I was looking at the team. They put a fairly strong team out. And Burnley went there and won 1-0 at Forest as well. Um, and, you know, if you look at the Burnley team we played, you know, they were easy on the eye, but they carried zero threat whatsoever, didn't they? You know what I mean? So, um, I genuinely think it's, it is an opportunity for us to pick up some points. Look, don't get me wrong, it's going to be under the lights. It's on Sky again. It's a Saturday night game. They're going to be up for it. They'll fancy winning it as well. But, you know, it's a chance to reverse the momentum a little bit here after coming, you know, let's be honest, the international break came at a bad time for us in a way. I think if we'd have played United before the international break, you know, I'm not saying that we would have won the game, but you might have seen a slightly different result. You know what I mean? Because obviously it's like resets the season again, doesn't it? So um, I think it's an opportunity for us to get a result. Look, they stayed up principally on their home form last season. And on the whole, it was very good. You know, it was a tough place to go. You know, they always put a shift in. Um, You'll get a lot of honesty from them. We know that. And like you said, Cooper's done a good job and he has. And I think he's a likeable manager. I think a lot of people won't have a bad word to say about him. I think he's done a very good job at Forest. So let's see. Let's see how it plays out. I think we've just got to be, we've got to be solid. We've got to be solid. They're going to come out of the traps. The fans will be up for a night game, like I said. We've just got to calm the, calm the situation down and play away, play away into the game. And um, I think it'll be quite similar to sort of the West Ham game. I think it'll be quite tight. And it'll come down to maybe a bit of quality. But I do agree, Ashley Young can be not be starting at right back whatsoever. I mean, I don't fa- imagine him against Anthony Alanga, who is one of the quickest players in the league. You know, there's no chance whatsoever I want him up against Anthony Alanga. And to be honest, it's a big ass to throw Coleman in there as well, having been out for so long. You know, as much as we love him and things like that, to throw him in there against a really quick winger. Um, I think Patterson has to be given the, given the opportunity to show he can claim that spot now. And um, that will be an interesting game. It will be an interesting game. Morgan Gibbs-White got on the goal. Got on his first goal of the season. He's, for me, he's probably their best player. I know they paid a lot of money for him. He was very, very influential for them last season. He's clearly a good player. Um, he, scored, he scored at the weekend. Um, but they've obviously lost their big, uh, big guy up front, haven't they? Uh, the Nigerian striker who, who, who scored some really important goals from at the end of last season. And, and obviously Chris Wood's come into the fold now. So I would fancy Tarkovsky and Branthwaite to handle Chris Wood, in all fairness. You know, particularly Tarkovsky will enjoy that physical battle. So it's just a case of then how do we control their their, their wingers really and then and then how how do we grow into the game. But I do think we'll cause them problems and, and, and Everton have to, have to go there like we have done recently at Palace and, 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 and uh, West Ham. And I think we can get a result, lads. I really do. Yeah, as you mentioned there, obviously, uh, I wanted the, the centre forward. He's, he's been brilliant for them. He's a real powerhouse and, he, and great news. Obviously, terrible thing to say that, he's, that he, he shouldn't be fit for the game. But playing against Chris Wood. He always does something against Everton. He's about seven foot three. He's a big, strong lad, isn't he? So they're going to have to be on the game, Grantwaite and, and Tarkovsky. They have to try and bully him a little bit if they can, because you know, what comes behind them and what you know the wide players are, the, you know, the talented aren't they? Obviously, you got good likes of Gibbs White, got likes of Alanga, even likes of Hudson Odoi and players like that. You know, they they are a threat and, they, and they've got pace, and that's where 
when you look at the right back situation for Everton, you've, you've got to look at getting Patterson in there. You know, it's it's got to be it's got to be the change. It's, it it just can't be Ashley Young, basically, is is what we're saying. Um, and maybe it is time in for him to now step out and then be used in in the way that he should be used, which is as a squad player and maybe playing further forward. You know, we've got a cup quarter final coming up. I'm not averse to making a few changes there um, against Fulham. So, you know, he, he will get chances elsewhere, but he, he should be at his age, a player who, who comes off the bench. It's, it's that easy. And he, he's made far too many mistakes in, since the start of the season, really, which have, have, have led to bookings and, 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 you know, problems for, for ourselves and goals. So let, let, let's hope that the, the manager sees it the same way. Let's hope we get Amadou Nana back in as well. I think he's massively, massively important to that side and we can get something from the game. But let's finish with our round of predictions if we can, Jim. What's your, what's your thoughts, final score? Well, I'm going to be kind of insanely optimistic by, by my own standards. I'm going to say we're going to win 2-1. We'll all take a 2-1 win, that's for sure, Lee. I was going to say the same thing. I think it'll be, uh, I think it'll be, I think they'll score. Um, I do think like we showed at Palace, we are capable of carrying a threat on the counter as well. So um, I'm going to say 2-1 as well. I, I just want to say as well, by the way, and, and I think this is a, a, a good point worth making, is you know whilst Everton should be on 14, as we've said before, um, and, and Dyche, it'll be interesting what Dyche is doing there. He mentioned a couple of times in his post-match, didn't he, about 14 points were on 14 points. Mm. And if I remember Rooney, when he was at Derby facing a similar thing, he put two tables up in the dressing room, didn't he? Like the actual table and then the one where they should be. So I can imagine him maybe referring to that, maybe psychologically himself. But also on, on, on the flip side of that, I, I think with, um, you know, we've been very fortunate, haven't we, lads, with injuries this season, really? You know, losing Onana there, obviously, is the first major one we've, we've lost. And with the fixture list coming up between now and the end of the, and, and, end of the year... You know, we're arguably going to be playing the same number of games as we have done since the start of the season in a very congested period. And I think we've got to be very careful with certain positions on the pitch. Namely, I'm thinking Calvert-Lewin, possibly even some at centre-half. If we get an injury at centre-half or Calvert-Lewin at the minute, that's going to have a huge impact on us, isn't it? And we have been fairly fortunate. And if I was Dice here, I'd be, I'd be cautious with Calvert-Lewin. We've got three games in a week coming up, haven't we, next week as well. And I'd be very, very cautious how we manage Calvert-Lewin there personally whether it's worth throwing in you know uh, better who's injured obviously at the weekend but I think he's got to be careful how he manages that hasn't he yeah yeah we've been here before overload for Calvert-Lewin is never a good thing is it um, and we don't want to you know going into a busy Christmas period as well as you say we've got a busy <clears throat> busy sort of week coming up anyway that you've you know Look at Chimiti. I thought he come on and handled himself really well. I know it was three 0 at the time, but I thought he looked particularly strong. He looks a little bit bigger, I think. Put a little bit of muscle on. Lucky not to score. Uh, some some good hold up play. Lovely bit bit of work at the corner with a little, a little uh, back heel back to Harrison. I think it was as well. He, he looked lively, and I think I'm not saying by the way. Listen, he's the second coming of Jesus, but you know he looks to be developing nicely you know scored a couple of goals in international break he scored his first goal for the club in the in the papa john's trophy so he's getting a little bit of confidence probably settling down a little bit getting used to the customs over here it's always a a big change for players especially when they're so young coming coming away and coming to a different country so i I was impressed with him yesterday so maybe he's going to get used a little bit more in the next few weeks better obviously hopefully his injury is not too bad as well, and, we, and we'll see more of him. Uh, but I'm going to go for a repeat of the Brentford game. We'll go Everton 3 1. Um, as you say, away from Goodison Park, we look, at, we look like a different team, to be fair. 
Um, we, we do look like the pressure's off a little bit. Um, I'm hoping, you know, we, we, we get a date set for this for this appeal. Get, let's, let's get it in the diary so we know what we're working towards because we all need this, not, not so much closure, we need to know what the situation is sooner rather than later. And I think that will help the players and the manager know exactly what's going on. Uh, but I do think we'll go there still full of confidence. Why not? You know, you can, you can lose United on any given day of the week, you know, no matter what's going on. And not a bad side. I think for me, they were there for the taking. I've got to be honest with you. I, I, they're not the best. United side I've ever seen, but we shouldn't be too downhearted getting beat to a world-class goal and a dodgy penalty, in my opinion, which really changed things. So, go there full of confidence. I'm going to go Everton, Everton 3-1. But that's us for today. Jim, really appreciate you coming on the show and spending a bit of time speaking to us, obviously, about the Blues and, and of course, your book as well. We've lost Jim right at the last moment there, but I'll, I'll, I'll pass on our regards. And we will catch you ourselves next weekend when we look back on the on the Forest game, of course, and ahead to our favourite opponent of Goodison Park, of course, Newcastle United. So we will catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton podcast. Podcast Network.